Well, if you haven't opened your Bibles yet to Matthew 5, please do so. And as uh, Thomas mentioned, we are in the second week of a month-long series following one of our core values, which is mission. Disciples of Jesus do not live for our own glory and do not live for our own mission. We've been given a mission by Jesus himself. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that Jesus commanded, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Last week, we looked at how the authority of Christ and the presence of Christ serve as sort of bookends to our mission. They hold us up, they sustain us, they empower us, they strengthen us as we go and live on mission to make disciples. But mission, much like food, doesn't just have a function, it also has a flavor. Food certainly has a function. Without food, if we don't eat, we are going to grow weak, and if we don't eat for long enough, we will die. So there is a function to food. It is to nourish our bodies and to give us strength and to give us energy. But food isn't pure function. It isn't intended just to be tasteless mush that as long as it gets the job done, that's all that matters. No, food has a function but it also has a flavor. Why did God give us 10,000 taste buds? Because food has a flavor. Whether it's the three happiness burger at Block 16, or the tomahawk steak at V. Mertz, or homemade cinnamon rolls made by yours truly. Ask my wife, they're very, very good. (laughs) These surely complete the function of food. They, They will nourish your body, but they do so much more. Through flavor... They bring joy and enjoyment. And you think about what food also does, whether it's going out to eat or sitting down to a meal. Food, the flavor of food, along with the function of food, creates good. It impacts good. It helps build relationships. The function and the flavor produce a good. And so it is with mission. Mission has a function, making disciples. But mission is not to be tasteless mush that treats the gospel merely as fire insurance or a get-out-of-hell-free card. No, mission has a flavor. It's to produce joy and goodness. It's intended to impact our world with goodness. And that's what we're going to consider this morning. And so the title of my message is The Taste of Mission. And here's the main point for us. Through our mission... We produce the flavor and shine the light of goodness. And so let's unpack this, these verses from Matthew 5. Now let me set just a little bit of context here. Jesus' words in Matthew 5 are part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, Jesus is doing something quite significant. Just like Moses in the book of Exodus that we looked at last fall, Jesus has gone up onto a mountain And he's given a vision for the life of the people of God. He's declaring the principles and the ethics that define those who belong to the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit and the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers and the persecuted, the meek, the merciful, and the mourning. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All throughout Matthew 5 and 6, in seven, Jesus is declaring, this is what it looks like to follow me. 
This is what, how my people are to live, how my followers are to live and to be in the world. And early in this sermon, Jesus makes this following statement in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. And so he uses a metaphor of salt to illustrate who his disciples are. He's illustrating something about the identity of those who follow Christ. Notice he doesn't say, tell his disciples to go be salt or to become salt. He's saying you are salt. This is your identity. This is who I've made you. If you belong to Christ, the Spirit has made you spiritually salty. And the effect that salt has on food is the same effect that we as followers of Jesus are, inten- are intended to have on this earth. So what does salt do? What effect does salt have on food? Well, salt flavors food and it preserves food. So last fall, our gospel community had, had taco night for, for dinner and Mindy made some of the meat and we, we get there and we sit down to, to, to eat and Mindy notices something doesn't quite taste right about her food, which is unusual because Mindy is an amazing cook. And so when there's something that doesn't taste right, it's kind of like, okay, this isn't normal. This is unusual. What's, what's wrong? And so as she's eating it, she's kind of apologetic to people. And, and I don't even notice because I'm just like hungry and I think her food's amazing. So I'm not even paying attention. And then it dawns on her. She forgot the salt. So Mindy has her own sort of concoction of taco seasoning that is amazing. If you've ever been to a foundations class, you know this because you've had tacos. If you've ever been to her house and had tacos, you know her concoction is really great. But she forgot the salt. And the salt not only adds a bit of salty flavor, but the salt actually activates the rest of the spices. This is what salt does. Salt not only has its own flavor, but salt has this great power to really bring out the flavor of other things. How many of you put salt on an apple or a watermelon? Any of you do that? Like the first time I saw someone do this, I was like, what crazy world are you living in? That's fruit, not popcorn. What is going on? But little did I know that putting salt on fruit actually brings the fruit's flavor out more. It makes it stronger. It makes it tastier. This is what salt does to food. It intensifies and draws out the flavor. Friends, as followers of Jesus who live on mission, we're to salt the earth. We are to bring out the good flavor of human life. We are to make the good in the world gooder, to break the English language. We are to draw out that flavor all the more intensely. We bring out the flavor of righteousness and goodness and mercy and grace and peace and love, patience kindness, sacrifice, humility, hope, and joy. Our presence draws those things out of existence and makes them all the more powerful and beautiful. Listen, we're not to be grim and cold and cranky and angry, stingy scolds. That's not how disciples of Jesus are to live. We are not to be hopeless and withdrawn and selfish. No, through our mission, we produce goodness in our world. Through our mission, we flavor life because for those who are in Christ, if you are in Christ, here is the truth about what has happened to you. Jesus has made your spiritually dead, rebellious, lifeless, helpless, hopeless heart alive. Jesus has salted you. He has flavored your soul. And through his righteousness, his goodness, 
his mercy, his grace, his peace, his love, his patience, his kindness, his humility, his hope, and his joy. He has flavored you. You are marked by him. You've been transformed by him. You have empowered by, you've been empowered by him to now go and produce the flavor of goodness in our world. Friends, our lives are not to be bland mush, all function and no flavor. No, through our mission, as we go and make disciples, we're flavoring our world with goodness. Salt flavors, but it also preserves. You see, in the time of Christ, there were no refrigerators. The, the, the chemicals like benzoic acid and potassium sorbate that, that you hippies like to avoid, <laughs> those had not been created yet. <laughs> so what did they do to keep food from spoiling and going rotten? They used salt, particularly and especially on meat. As followers of Jesus, part of our producing flavor is also preserving flavor. We produce the flavor of goodness, but we also preserve it. Have you ever left like a food container open in the fridge or maybe a, a, a package of butter that's been opened but you didn't like close it up in a, a plastic baggie and you just left it in the fridge and then you tasted it? Does it taste good? No, no, it loses its flavor, right? The flavor has been distorted. You haven't preserved the flavor. Friends, we are to be a preserving agent of good in our world. Never forget this. Never forget this. Our world started in goodness. Sin, evil, wickedness, corruption, those are a foreign flavor in our world. Our world started in goodness. God created this world in goodness. And so as followers of Jesus, as disciples who salt the earth, we are to push back against the rot and decay of sin. We are to preserve the goodness in our world. We are to keep sin from being as damaging and destructive as it could be. And so here's what this means, friends. Here's what this means. First and foremost, it means that God is not indifferent to the evil in our world. He is not indifferent to the sin and suffering. He's not indifferent to the damage and destruction that sin has created. God loves his creation and he is not going to abandon it to sin and Satan. God has not abandoned this world. No, through the power of Christ, he is redeeming and he is going to renew creation. God has, is not indifferent. God has not abandoned. And because God is not indifferent, we're not indifferent. Because God is not indifferent, through our mission, we are to go and to preserve goodness in our world. As we go and make disciples, we speak against and we work against evil. As we go and make disciples, we confront sin and we do what we can to dismantle sinful behaviors and systems that are reckoning, wrecking and ruining our worlds. Friends, this is why we speak against and work against the evil of abortion. This is why we speak against and work against the evil of transgender ideology that has taken direct aim at our kids. This is why we speak against and work against and pray against sex trafficking as we prayed this morning. This is why we speak against and work against abuse in all its forms. 
We speak against and work against any corrupt political policy, any corrupt economic policy that is unjust and brings harm. Wherever there is evil, friends, wherever there is evil in our world, we speak against it and we work against it. Through our mission of proclaiming the gospel and making disciples, with our mouths and with our lives, we declare evil. You have been defeated and you will be defeated. We are not indifferent. You do not get a free pass. The line is drawn here with us. We are the salt of the earth. Through our mission, we produce and preserve the flavor of goodness in our world. And so here's the question. Are you living a salty life? Are you flavoring your home and your job, your relationships, your neighborhood, your city with goodness? Or are you flavoring them with things like pride, selfishness, anger, indifference? Are you merely living a functional life, just going from task to task to task, without producing the flavor of righteousness and goodness and mercy and grace and peace and love and joy? I mean, do you care about the damage and destruction in our world? Or do you just kind of put your head down, only focus on you, and hope it just sort of stays away? Jesus warned us against not being salty. Verse 13, he goes on to say, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. How does salt lose its saltiness? Through impurities. See, sin, self-focus, self-reliance, hearts and minds that are shaped more by the culture than by Christ in his word, these things will affect our saltiness. They'll corrupt it. They'll dilute it. And then herein lies the problem. Herein lies the danger. Because if, our salty, if we lose our saltiness, at best, we can become ineffective and even useless in mission. But at worst, what this can mean is that we're not truly disciples of Christ. That over time, what gets exposed is that we've never been made spiritually salty in the first place. Friends, there's a warning for us. We need to take very seriously. Disciples of Jesus are the salt of the earth. There is an effect that our lives are to, are to have on this world. And if it's not having the effect, there's something wrong. But the good news of the gospel is this. If you have never been made spiritually salty, if you have never experienced the transforming power of the gospel through Jesus Christ, you can become forgiven and you can can become set free, be made spiritually salty, then go and live and produce goodness in our world. Through Jesus Christ, you can be changed. Through Jesus Christ, everything can be changed for you. And so if you turn from your sin... Turn from your selfishness and pride. Turn to Christ in repentance and faith. He's going to flavor you. Flavor your heart with his life and his grace and his mercy and his righteousness. That's good news for you this morning. There's also good news for you if you are in Christ and you have let your saltiness get a bit diluted. And listen, it happens to all of us. We all from time to time allow our saltiness to get diluted. We allow too much of the world to dilute how we are to live. We become too preoccupied with our selfish agendas and our own kingdoms. But the good news of the gospel is that 
because of the faithfulness of Christ. Because God is faithful to work in our lives. And he's always at work making us more and more like Christ because of the power of the Spirit that's in work in our lives. That we can turn from our sin, we can turn from our selfishness, and we can experience the renewing power of the Spirit. And Jesus will make us salty again. And he will send us out into the world to produce good. And so if you recognize that your saltiness has been a bit diluted, Oh, don't stay there. You don't have to stay there. Turn from your sin. Turn from the selfishness. And once again, be defined by the saltiness that Christ gives. Once, once again, be defined by his purpose and join the mission of salting the earth with goodness. Well, in addition to salt, Jesus also uses the metaphor of light to illustrate the the identity of his disciples. Again, this is an identity. You are the lights of the world. You don't become light. You are light. Identity. Now, quick quick points here, or maybe even a quick question. You might be thinking, but doesn't the Bible say Jesus is the light of the world? Don't, Don't we sing those songs about Jesus being the light of the world? And yes, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 49, John 1, talks about Jesus being the light of the world. And this light has come into the world. And so we start from this premise that the true light is Jesus Christ. The light of Christ has come into the darkness of our world and it has shined into that darkness. And through the light of Christ, you and I who were sinners and lived in darkness can be forgiven and set free and brought into the light. So we start with this this premise of light by pointing out that it is Christ who is the ultimate light, the true light. But this makes Jesus' words all the more staggering because it is the light of Christ that is shining through us. Imagine that, that Jesus, the light of the world, has decided to shine his light through his people, through you and I, messed up, weak, flawed, frail sinners like you and me. Jesus has said, I shine my light through you. I have made you the light to the world. Jesus is shining his light through us. And in Scripture, light is associated with things like truth and goodness and righteousness, and darkness is associated with sin and evil and deception. So those who walk in the light, as 1 John tells us, are those who walk in truth and walk in righteousness. And so Jesus' metaphor here about light, it's continuing his point that he made about salt. As the light of the world, we are to shine truth. We are to shine goodness. We are to shine righteousness so that it may impact our world. And what are the properties of light? Well, light brings clarity, right? We we can see by light. Light allows us, or light reveals what is hidden. Light illumines what what is really there. And so in illuminating our path, light is also to direct and guide our steps. And so all of these things, we are to have an impact in our world. As followers of Jesus, we shine the light of the gospel into a dark world. We shine the light of God's truth and God's goodness and God's justice and righteousness. We shine the light of mercy and grace and forgiveness. All of these things we shine into a world that has been darkened by sin. We let the world see what it is. See what truth truly is and what grace truly is and what mercy and forgiveness and salvation, what all of these things truly are. 
We shine our lights to point people who are lost in darkness to the one true God and the one true Savior. We shine our lights. We don't hide it. We shine our light so that in the light of our goodness, others may see it and end up glorifying God. As Jesus tells us in 14 through 16, a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now we shine the light of goodness so that others may know and praise the God of all goodness. And so again, the question, are you shining your light? Are you shining the light of Christ, the light that is shining through you, or are you hiding it? Are you burying it? And if so, why? Why are you hiding the light of Christ that is intended to shine through you as a follower of Christ? Perhaps it's fear. Perhaps it's apathy. Perhaps it's, again, self-focused busyness. We just don't have time to shine the light of Christ. Maybe you, are, you feel so overwhelmed by your sin or more aware of your sin and how you failed and how you're flawed and how you're weak and you're like, there's no way the light of Christ could shine through someone like me. Friend, if that's where you are, let me remind you, it's the light of Christ, not your light that is shining. It's the light of Christ and his light is more powerful than your weakness, more powerful than your sin, more powerful than your flaws and the ways that you flub it. <laughs> The light of Christ shines through you and by his grace, by his power, that light is shining. And so friends, you have hope. You have every reason to shine that light. No matter how broken you may think you are, no matter how messy you think you are, no matter how failed and flawed you may think you are, the power of the light of Christ will shine through you if you walk in that light. And here's, here's what I love for City. Here's what I love. Y'all are doing this. You all are doing this. You are shining your light in this world such that people are noticing and people are bringing praise and glory to God, even when they don't necessarily know that they're bringing praise and glory to God. I want to give you two examples of this, one recent and one that happened a couple years ago. The first one is from just last month. So uh, one of our members, Emma Husky, had led an effort to help pay off some of the local uh, elementary school's lunch debt. And someone who is local, I don't know how she found out about this, but someone who is local, this was shared with me, I'm, I'm not on Facebook, but someone shared with me this Facebook post. A, a, a gal who is local wrote this. Bellevue Public School District has a lunch debt of $147,000, which is higher than before covid in November, a local church helped pay off the debt for Avery Elementary students. The same church group also donated money to cover the debt of students at Betts Elementary. First City, we don't do this for the praise of men, but when you shine your lights, people are going to notice. When you show love and care for other people, when you put good works on display in our community, people are going to notice and they're going to praise that goodness, and ultimately praise our God of goodness. Another example comes from several years ago. A Bellevue police officer who is a, who's good friends with Tim and Jill Ramirez, he had 
the most difficult night of his career. First, he was one of the first on the, or was the first one on the scene of a young man who committed suicide. And then he went from that call to be the first on the scene at a shooting that took place at the Bellevue Sonic. You guys remember that from a few years ago. Here's what he posted on Facebook. This year, as always, I have so much to be thankful for. Last weekend was the hardest night I have ever worked. It's been a rough couple days, but the family and friends in my life I am truly thankful for. You never realize how much support you have around you until you really need it. Then he goes on to, to thank a number of people, and then he writes this. Thank you to my neighbors who, he's talking about Tim and Jill, who are not on Facebook, who truly showed compassion and caring and embodied everything Christianity teaches. I am not a Christian myself, but people who treat others like they treated my family and I should be an example to us all. If you are reading this, I love you and I'm grateful to have you in my life. Friends, these are the testimonies that come not just through the function of mission, but the flavor of mission as well. And I know there are stories in First City Church that you came to Christ because someone in First City not only carried out the function of mission, but the flavor of mission in your life as well. They shared the gospel with you, but they also loved you. They, they shined the light of goodness, and they, they salted your life with their goodness. And in that, you gave glory to God, and you came to know Christ. Also, there is growth and maturity in disciple-making here at First City. There's maturity in faith, maturity in hope, maturity in love, Maturity in righteousness, maturity in, in goodness and purity. There's maturity in parenting and marriages. Because you all are carrying out not just the function of mission, but the flavor of mission in each other's lives. As you teach each other to obey everything Jesus commanded, you're doing that with flavor and not just function. And it's having an effect. You all are flavoring your homes, you're flavoring your jobs, you're flavoring relationships in your neighborhoods, in your cities with goodness. You're, you're shining the light of goodness of Christ. Keep it up for city. I want to encourage you in so many ways you are doing this. And yes, we always need to grow. There, there's always the sense of we could be doing this more and be more faithful. And God is at work to make us more faithful. But I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that this is happening in so many ways, so many stories that we could tell. Keep going. Keep doing it. Keep Staying on mission, keep flavoring, keep shining. But at the same time, I, th I think it's important to, to note something before we, we close out here. Though we're, we seek to flavor our world with good, listen, not everyone is going to like the flavor. Right before Jesus said his followers are salt and light, like right before it, here's what he tells them. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. Friends, listen. Persecution is part of the package. When it comes to faithful mission, persecution is part of the package. No matter how much good we do, no matter how much we shine the light of righteousness and goodness, no matter how much we show mercy and grace and peace and love and patience and kindness and sacrifice and humility and hope and joy, 
No matter how much all of that, no matter how much flavoring we do with that, some are going to hate us and oppose us. Some cannot tolerate the flavor of righteousness. They just can't. Listen, I'm told that coffee tastes good. I'm told this. But outside of a miracle of my taste buds being transformed, I don't care how good that coffee is objectively, I am not going to like it. And that is how some are spiritually. No matter how good we may be, no matter how flavorful we are, because some are spiritually dead with hearts in rebellion to God, goodness and righteousness are never going to taste good. Some are going to hate the light that we shine because as John 1 tells us, people hate the light because they love darkness. This is part of the package. Persecution is part of the package. We shouldn't be surprised by this. We should not be deterred by this. Friends, we don't stop being salt and light and hide our light because of opposition. Why? Let me give you two reasons why. One, because we care about the evil and suffering in our world. We concede nothing to the enemy. We won't allow him to intimidate us as he goes on wrecking and ruining others. We don't stop being salt and light because there is evil that we need to oppose and there is good that we need to produce in our world. We also don't stop being salt and light because, listen, the very ones that oppose us are the very ones that God is on a rescue mission to save. But we don't stop being salt and light because God is in the business of turning enemies and rebels into beloved sons and daughters. We don't stop being salt and light. No, we go to those who oppose the gospel because we were once those who opposed the gospel. We were once those who hated the taste of righteousness and goodness. We are those who once hated the light shining on us because we loved our darkness, but God broke through our rebellion. God bid our dead hearts come alive, and because of the grace of God that we have experienced, we go. We go. We're salt and we're light because we want others to experience that grace. And so First City Church, let us go and live not only the function of mission, but the flavor of mission as well. Let us not be tasteless mush in our mission, but through our mission, let us produce the flavor and shine the light of goodness that others may experience the grace of God and His power in their lives. Amen.